everyone, and welcome back to 90th Minute Winner with me, Scott Noble. I know it's been a while, but we've had a lot of things going on. Uh, we've obviously locked down, sort of ending, if you like. Um, we've had a lot of restrictions being lifted. Finally, what a way back to freedom. Um, talking to finally, it's been about six weeks in the making, but I've finally managed to arrange a time to get my next guest on. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Robbie Williamson on the podcast. Robbie, how are you doing? Great, mate. Great. Thank you very much for having me on. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming, but yeah, I'm excited to be on. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. I always enjoy these not, sort of non-league ones, if you like. So we've had, obviously, Jamie Tunstall on from Crook. We've had um, Tony Fawcett on from, from Whitley Bay as well. And it got a lot of attention as well. So I've, I've no doubt this one will as well. So um, obviously you've had a... You haven't had a long playing career, but you have been involved in the academy system previously. So do you want to just go through in terms of when it started for you and how things developed from there? Yeah, of course. Um, my playing career started when I was six year old. Um, I was just going to after school club from primary school um, playing football. and It was actually one of the women teachers, one of the women's teachers uh, spotted us. She said, to me, mum and dad, I'm a very, very good player from my age and that I should definitely be going to try and play for an older team because there was no team at my age then. Yeah. So um, me, mum and dad thought nothing of it at first, but then the teacher kept pestering me, mum and dad, um, and then they took us to Washington United, Mark Carruthers' team. Yeah. Um, so I started my career with Mark, Mark at under six, but I was playing an under sevens team. Um, so I just went from there. Uh, I played for Washington for about a season and then I moved on to Leem Rangers and played for Leem for about two years and then I got picked up by Sunderland Academy. Um, I played for Sunderland. I was there for about three years and then on my last day before I was about to find out whether they were going to keep me on or not, I got an unfortunate injury of my Achilles um, and I was just after that, I wasn't the same player. My confidence dropped. Um, they didn't invite me back. So off I went again to Newcastle City Juniors. Played with them for about two seasons. Um, but it was funny because I would only been away from Sunderland for about a week and I played for Newcastle City Juniors. Um, and uh, I actually played in a game and one of the uh, managers had come up to me dad and said, oh, who's the number 15 you've got playing for you? And he says, oh, it's just a young kid. He's just been released from the academy. And he says, oh, I really like the look of him. And it turned out it was Sunderland Academy again, asking for his back. Um, so I was at Sunderland again. I did a second stint at Sunderland till I was about 15. And then I moved on to Newcastle Academy. Um, I played with Newcastle till I was 17. And then I got managed to get a move to Fleetwood. And I was at Fleetwood, so it's been a uh, it's been some journey. I've had some other clubs along the way, like Hartlepool. I've been on trial with. I've been on trial with Doncaster, uh, York City, Bristol City. I've had I've had a few clubs who I've been on trial with. All great experiences, way around. So you've you've been on trial with Sunderland, Newcastle, who are in the northeast of England, obviously with with Fleetwood. Yeah. Did you see anything? either with the players that were involved in the, the academy themselves or with the style of coaching? Was there anything that stood out to you that was massively different or was it very much the, the same sort of 
the detail of the coaching with the relationships they built with the players pretty similar? Um, when I to be fair, when I went to Fleetwood, I was so nervous because I was only 17. Um, I was going away from home for the first time. I was by myself, I had to go into digs and everything. But honestly, that club was such a good club. Um, Jamie Vardy had just left and they had just gotten a big bonus add-on. So they were busy doing the, uh, the whole um, training ground up. They were putting new facilities in and stuff. So it was just portal cabins when I was there. But everything about that club was great. The the whole management staff, everyone was welcome. Um, the lads in the digs, everyone was so good. Uh, the coaching side of things, it was really good setup. I was training with the first team. As soon as I went in, I was training with the first team. Um, they had me involved in everything, doing the gym sessions. It, it was a, such a good professional stand-up. It, it, was, it was basically like being at Newcastle. It was, it was really good, except you felt like you wanted there. You did feel like you, you, they wanted you to be there and they wanted you to be involved as much as you could. So when you left Fleetwood, obviously, was that when you sort of went into the, the non-league system, if you like? So... Uh, I know you before Burley were involved with was it Willingdon? Um, yeah, other clubs as well. So how did how did those sorts of things develop in the, in non-league football? Um, so when I came back, came away from Fleetwood, um, I was playing for Wrighton under 18s at the time when I came away, um, and someone spotted us to go and play for Whitley Bay, and I went for a couple of training sessions with uh, Whitley Bay, who in charge of them was Paddy Atkinson at the time. Um, and he he wanted us to sign sign on, so I did. I, I signed on and I was there for a season. We had a great FA Cup run. We got so far in that. Um, quite historic, beating, um, oh, I can't remember the team who it was, but we beat them 3-2 with nine men. Um, and then it just it went from there. I moved from um, Whitley Bay, I went to Jarrah Ruffin. I was at Jerry Roofing for a year with, with some good players there, Paul Chow, James Fairley, some really top players. Um, and then I took a step down, went down Division 2 with Willington on loan. I was on loan for 28 days. Must have impressed the one us back, so I, I went back for, for the full season. And then I eventually moved to Burtley um, and been at Burtley ever since. What what is it about Burtley that sort of stands out to you as? I mean, I know personally what it's like, but for, from from a playing point of view, what what is that environment like to to be involved? Not just not just on the pitch, obviously. I know it's it's a very well run club. It's had its problems in the past, but everybody that I speak to that's involved with the club, either playing wise or non playing wise, always speaks about the fact that it's not about the money, it's not about the ego, it's just about the the atmosphere that it's created is that something that you believe as well? Oh, 100 percent Um when I first went to Burtley, they they didn't have a good pitch. The the pitch wasn't in great condition. We had so there were so many things wrong with the club, but everything that Paul B told me about the club has delivered the, the whole club, the whole backroom staff, the committee, everyone has just put so much effort into that club. And now it's it's a such a good good club. Um, I've been obviously at Whitley Bay and stuff, but the committee of of Burtley is just outstanding. It's it's something I've never seen before in the Northern League club. 
everyone just wants so much for the community and it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, and obviously on the pitch, it's a bit of a shame really because the last couple of seasons has effectively been wiped out. But I remember when I was in the first season, when when you were there obviously and finished 13th and it was a it was a really good achievement to be fair because there wasn't any target set, there wasn't anything that was just sort of establish yourselves back in the league, see where you're at. Um, do you think that if COVID wasn't there, you know, didn't exist, do you think that the club would have been pushing towards those, maybe not effectively top three, but those top six places? Oh, definitely, without without a doubt. Um, this season, our team has been phenomenal. Like, the players who we've got for the budget, we haven't got a great budget. We're not, we can't compete with other clubs, but... We, they buy into it. All the lads buy into it. And they've had a, just had a great County Cup run. Uh, got knocked out by the winners. Yeah. Um, the, I, I, highly, I, I would honestly say last we would have finished at least top six, 100%. And I think next season, we've got a great chance of going all the way and winning the league. Do you think that, you said the, the buy in there from the players, do you think that because of the fact that it's kind of, you know, put in place at the start of the season and said, you know, we're not in it for the money. You know, you've, you've got lads there, honest honest lads who who do just want to graft and do the best for the club. It's, I think over the over the years, it's developed into quite a young side, actually. Do you think the enthusiasm and almost the arrogance of youth has, has helped has helped the club in that sense? Oh, definitely. Um, with the, the young players who we've got at the minute, I think, are just tremendous. The, the, some of them are fresh from academies. Um, we've obviously got some experienced players in there as well who have been about the Northern League. Um, but with the young players, they're just hungry. They want they want to succeed. They want to go further. And no doubt that if we don't if we don't get promoted, they'll go to a top club because they've got some some really good players in our squad. Like yeah. something I've seen, you know, like since I've been involved with the club, I know I've been on and off, but. Is that literally is it is the buy-in? It's it's not just on the pitch stuff, and you've got players coming down sometimes early to help out with, with you know the physio or it might be something to help out with the pitch and players coming on the days off down there. And I think that really embodies the community spirit that the clubs, the club sort of rediscovered over the past few years, if that makes sense. So you get you get some clubs who you know the players will turn up to play and then they'll go home and that'll be it. But I think from what I've seen in the past and hopefully it continues is that. The players do genuinely, you know, not treat it like a full time full time role, but they, they do really sort of they do really care about the club, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, but as you've said, people come down and like we've got the likes of Joe Barwick, who is a full time physio, and when we haven't had a physio this season, he's been stepping in and he's been helping the lads before he goes out and plays ninety minutes on the pitch. We've got lads who will go down and help Colin. And Jim marked the pitch out. Um, the the togetherness of the squad is is unbelievable. I've never seen it before at any other club. There's no big time lads that are all just there to win and do the best for the club. Yeah, I credit uh, credit everybody for that. To be fair, the players, the committee, the management team, it's it's been class. To be fair, it's a great club to be involved with. Um, and obviously, it's going to be great next season being involved with the development team as well. So, long may it continue. Um, just want to move on then. So uh, I know you told us before we started recording, but I, I totally forgot how to pronounce it to be fair. But um, you've done a lot of work for uh, the condition. Obviously, you've been diagnosed with. You've done loads of work yeah. for, to raise money for it. So first of all, 
Gain, how do you pronounce how do you pronounce it? <laughs> and do you want to just take us a little bit of in the what it is first of all and the work you've done for it? Yeah, um, so uh, the disease is called Beschitz. Um, I've I got diagnosed with Beschitz in two thousand and nineteen. Um, it was ongoing since I was thirteen year old. Uh, I've I've had some some tough tough years over the past. Um, it's it's an awful disease. It it affects my immune system. So it my blood I got red blood cells and it attacks my red blood cells and flames them, which causes us to have ulcers all over my body. Um, not just that, but it it started to affect my ankles where I've been diagnosed with arthritis. Um, it's it just it, it takes over your body. There's there's not much you can do about it. It's incurable. There's only under two thousand people in the UK with it. Predominantly, it's it's females. Um, but like like I said, it's it's just so hard to to get around it. Um, it's uh, it's definitely affected me mentally, uh, physically. It's affect, affected my family mentally as well. Um, they've They've stuck by me through it all, though, and so has me, my partner as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's so I can't get the word out. It's um, quite daunting the 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 side effects that you get from it. Um, from from my medication, I'm on injections. I have to inject myself every day now. Um, I've been on infusions. I have to go for for monthly blood transfusions. Constantly getting blood tests done. It's quite a. You you would see I've got a season ticket at the hospital because I'm there that much. So just going, continuing with that, then with the the sort of fundraising. So it happens a lot with cancer patients. They do a lot of fundraising for the hospitals and stuff, and the the nurses and the NHS in general is. Was that you know was that kind of swaying you towards it with the, the treatment you've been getting and obviously looking after you and stuff. It, was it was it a way of sort of giving back? Oh uh, yeah. Um as I say, Beshit is not many people's heard of it in the UK. Yeah. Unless you're affected by it or know someone affected by it, you've probably never heard of it. Um I know it wasn't it wasn't until I was about 16 that it got brought to my attention. Um but once I delved into it and found out more and more, it's it doesn't get talked about enough. Um it doesn't get much money raised for it. The only people who raise the money are like I say, people affected by it or or family. Um, so I just thought I might as well give it a chance and and try and and raise as much as I can. Um, the first bit of raising I did was for my granddad. My granddad passed away in December. Um, and it was his wish to have Beshit as his uh, fundraiser. So I think on the day of his funeral we had Obviously, only 30 people there because of coronavirus, but we raised £100 in there. And online, we raised over 400 So it was it was quite good going, considering. Um, and now I'm doing either running or cycling 500 miles for Beshit before September. And I think I'm already up to 100 miles now. So for, for me to do 500 miles is tough because of my arthritis and stuff. I, it hurts every day. But I just get on with it and I try and do as much as I can. If I haven't already donated, Robbie, I'll, I'll make sure I do donate. And I wish you all the best of luck with, the, with your fundraising. 
because it's uh, thank you very much. Obviously, it doesn't, it doesn't sound pleasant at all, and uh, obviously, any any help you can give somebody else or you know people who potentially might have it is, is obviously really important. So just keep it up. Um, so well done. Um, just want to move on a little bit. I remember you you mentioned it was a few weeks ago. Uh, one of the games that you want you wanted to get into some coaching. Um, so why why is that? Is it is it maybe is it maybe it's just a change of career anyway, or is it just because you've you've caught you've caught the bug because of like you say you've been at Burley and you've obviously you've you've been involved in the in the community stuff and stuff away from the pitch. Is it is it caught sort of caught your attention that that's what what you sort of want to want to get involved in? Um, yeah. So as as you've just said, career change. Um, if I could go into do coaching full time, then I'd love to do it. Um, also seeing the work that that the lads have put in behind the scenes with the younger kids, um, seeing the seeing the younger kids running around with smiles on their faces, enjoying club football, that's what it's all about. Playing for your boyhood club is is great. Um, but also it's the fact that I'll probably not be able to play much more football coming a couple of years' time because that's how quick the arthritis is going through us. Um it takes us days to recover already from from playing. A ninety-minute game, um, so I think that's also another factor in why I want to go into coaching. Um, but also, I want to, I want to, I want to progress kids on to be top footballers. I've had some great chances, and I've been taught many great things by the likes of Jamie Wright when he was my academy coach. Um, he's taught me many. He taught me how to use my weak foot. Now it's it's strong as out it's exactly like my stronger foot um, yeah. I just want to give the kids back stuff that I know and I'll, that'll help them go on to be top players what, what steps have you made towards that then have you started maybe your level one or are you maybe helping out with any of the younger teams yeah so um, I've spoke to Paul Beat who is my manager at Berkeley Town now um, and he's getting me in I've had my DBS check done and now I'm going to be taking over a under-14s team um, come the summer. And also I'm helping out with the ladies' first team as well, with Melanie Nugent. Um, I'm going to be going down helping her as much as I can, just so I get the older experience too. Because predominantly I want to be working with under-18s. That would be my ideal target. People who are going to be going, breaking into first-team football, that's who I want to be around to help them go on. Do you think your your experiences of being in academy football previously will help in terms of just the social side of it, um, the psychological side of it in terms of how to deal with success and failure, but also the technical detail you've learned and you've developed over time? Do you think those experiences will will help you pass on the, the, that knowledge to the next sort of generation of players? Yes, 100%. Um... My my knowledge is for for a twenty three year old. I've I've been in the professional change room. I've been in a match day squad. Um, I know what it takes to be there, and I know mentally how strong you've got to be. Training every day, right? Uh, eating the right stuff. You've you've got to be you've got to be a hundred percent committed, and that's what I think I'll be able to get across to the lads. That if you want to go full time, you want to you want to make it. You've you've just got to put the work in. It's not just about being at football, it's being away from football. You've got to make sure that you're eating the right stuff at home. You're not going about outside being stupid with your pals. It is full time. 
literally when you're a kid, it's full time as well. Big sacrifice to if you want to make it to the make it to the top, and you've you've got to sort of weigh up the pros and cons, I suppose, haven't you? You've got to think about what is what is the best for you. Is do you just want to again play with your mates and just have a have a laugh at that? If you do, that's fair enough. But I think ultimately you've got to make some tough decisions and you've got to stick with them, haven't you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, as I say, when I was when I was a kid, I, my mum and dad were very wary of us going out climbing trees and stuff like that because they just wanted us to stay fit constantly. Um, people might seem it as like a sheltered childhood, but it's not. It's it's them looking after you because they want the want what's best for you. Any any sort of leg break, arm break, it sets you back. And it's not something that you you really want. I'm not saying you can't go out with your friends, go out and play football on the field. I encourage that so much. Instead of being stuck in a Xbox or PlayStation, you, you should be out there and you should be getting the life experiences outside. But you've you've got to just be careful with it as well. You you can't go overboard. That's some good advice there for for definitely the lads, the lads I work with on a daily basis. So I think it's really important. So. Those messages, I think, will hopefully transmit to, to any any younger players who have ambitions to go and make it full time. So appreciate that. And again, good luck with your with your coaching. I know you've got the you've got the right sort of mindset to, to be a successful coach. I know I've seen that myself in your playing. So um, wish you the best of luck with that. Um, Thank you very much. No problem. Just just to finish off with them, Robbie. Uh, I like I said, I caught you off guard a little bit at the start. Um, did I? I did. But hopefully, you've had a little bit of a think. Um, as we approach the final final Premier League game of the season, um, there's definitely going to be some in there that people agree with. There's definitely going to be some in there that people disagree with. But, you know, as, as they say, that's football. Um, so I don't know if you want to just go ahead and give us your Premier League team of the season. Um, definitely, you've definitely put us on the spot. Um, <laughs> I haven't really thought about that much, but I'd, for my goalkeeper, I'd probably go Casper Schmeichel. I think he's had a... a a tremendous season. People might say Edison and stuff, but the way Casper Schmeichel has been, um, I think behind the scenes he's probably a top top keeper as well, top skipper. Yeah. You can see it on the after the FA Cup final, the way he was getting the chairman involved and everything. That's that's someone who who believes in everything that he's been told at the yeah. club. So I think definitely, I think Casper Schmeichel is my goalkeeper. Um, I'd probably say. My right back, um, a tough one. Um, I'd probably go with Walker. I think right. he's he's been steady all season. Um, you, you get you know what you get with Walker. You get forward and backwards. He can play. He, he's a proper player. Um, my two centre halves will be um, probably Ruben Diaz. He's had such a good season. Um, He's, he's brought the, the steadiness to City's back four. Um, and I think you would probably have to put alongside him maybe Johnny Evans. I think he's had another steady season. I think what Leicester's done and he, what he's done, he's he's rock solid at the back. And then left back, I would probably go with um, probably Zinchenko, um, another City player. He's been such he, he honestly has come on so much in the last few years. He is such a good player. Uh, he goes into the centre mid when he's playing left back and he just yeah. dictates play. When it breaks down, he's he's back there. Um for centre mids, oh it's a tough one that. Um 
I'd probably have to go with uh, Gundogan. He's he scored so many this season. I think most of this team's probably going to be City players. Like, um, but that is, <laughs> he's Gundogan has just been phenomenal. Uh, he's chipped in with so many crucial goals for City. Um, he's he's another proper player. Um, alongside him, uh, it's a tough one. Um, I'll probably go probably go with Jorginho. The when I've watched him play, he's he's just so calm on the ball. He he knows exactly where his next pass is constantly. I don't think many people will put him in, but I think that, well the way I've seen him play in, in that uh, semi final of the Champions League, he was so good. Um, so I'd have him in there, and then I would probably put left wing. Um, Probably's got to be Phil Foden. Phil Foden is such a good player for his age. Like if I was him when I was, there was no doubt I was making as a pro if I was like him when I was younger. But honestly, no one comes close to Phil Foden in that England team this year. He's got to be starting. Um, right wing Real Mares again, another City player who's had an absolute stormer of a season. Um, up top. It's a tough one. Um, this time I can't pick a City player because I haven't really had a strike of the season. Um, yeah, true. I'll probably go Iniacho. He's yeah. he's chipped in with some goals this year. He's he's been absolutely brilliant. And my other player, considering he's he's only just came up with the Prem, will probably be um, probably Watkins, Holly Watkins from Villa. Um, it's first season in the Prem and he's he's scored some bangers. He's scored so many goals. And I think for his first year and next season, he's going to be a player who will be on fire. Like, And he would definitely lead the line for us. Choices in there, which I'm very surprised at, actually. So I didn't expect Zinchenko. I didn't expect Jorginho. Um, but I think the likes of Diaz and Ford and, like, I think, you know, they're, they're nailed on it to be in there, aren't they? So... Um, like I said, it's your opinion. It's, it's people are going to agree with some, people are going to disagree with some. But no, nah, I'll probably get slandered in the uh, group chat. Like for uh, probably, well, probably, but end of the day, like <laughs> you've been asked and you've given your opinion, so it doesn't matter, does it? Um, no. So obviously, appreciate appreciate that. Appreciate your time as well, Robbie. I know it's been <laughs> it's been a nightmare trying to get you on um, over the last few weeks with work and other things going on. But I'm I'm really really glad you've. We've managed to sort of get on and have this chat. So um appreciate your time today. Thanks very much. Lovely. Thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate uh, appreciate you getting me on and getting my story out there. No, no it's problem. important for people to know Definitely. about it. Yeah, totally agree. It is, it is really important. And hopefully the people who are listening will will take notice of of the the condition and they'll, they'll obviously donate to to the fund. Um and fingers crossed, you know, it will be a lot more noticeable in the future um, and we can we can hopefully do something a little bit more about it as well but um yeah obviously good luck with that good luck with your coaching um and obviously i'll, I'll probably see you soon won't I? <laughs> yeah you will i yeah uh, as i say you with you as well good luck with a uh, Burtley development because i think having a development side is so important as well to bring yeah. players through who who are hungry and want this i think and you're the perfect fit when i've had you when you've Coach me at Burtley, I know what you're about. You get you get the uh, you definitely get some good players in and no doubt that 
you'll have a cracking season. I appreciate that, mate. Thanks very much for your words. Um, but yeah, like I said, everyone, thanks for thanks very much for listening. It's been a it's been a great chat with Robbie. Um, any non-league fans, especially, I would um, keep an eye out for any more podcast episodes we can do in the future. Um, it's going to be tight with with work and other commitments in the future, but fingers crossed we can bring you some more special episodes in the coming weeks and months. So stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you soon.